0: Love Talk Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BHITB podcast. I'm your host, Dante Fortson. And today, we're going to be talking about analog churches in the digital age, or what I see as the future of ministry. And before we get into that, don't forget to subscribe at BlackHistoryInTheBible There's a free book, Pre-Slavery Christianity. You get that. You just drop your email address in the box and hit the subscribe button. Make sure you click the confirmation link in the email. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, jump into this today because I got a lot, of, lot to cover and only a limited time to cover it in. So let me give you a little bit of background about this subject before I jump into it. So I've been asked by a lot of people that run ministries uh people that have ambitions of getting into ministry and people that are already involved in ministry and i'm talking about for years decades in some cases a lot of the people who have been involved in ministry are involved in the what i call analog ministry or the traditional ministry and some of the newer people that are coming in they want to get involved in the digital ministry or basically the online ministry And a lot of times they asked me for advice, and I didn't really put myself out there to give people advice about ministry or anything like that. But as I started to be around the community more, people started to ask. So just a little bit of my background, I grew up in church. My grandfather was a deacon. My uncle were deacons. My grandfather's friends were deacons. Uh, My grandmother was a deaconess. Uh, My mom was very active in church until she became licensed and ordained. She's a pastor of a church now. Uh, My cousin is a pastor of a church as well. However, me being who I am, I didn't really fit the traditional church mold. And so I kind of stepped back from church around 18. I just like took a long break from church and got away from it. Uh, I still believed. I-, I never lost faith in Christ or anything like that. I just didn't concentrate on the Bible, which led me to getting into a lot of trouble. So 2009, when I got out of jail, I started this. Um, journey to become a licensed and ordained minister which I did become a licensed and ordained minister and so I've been involved heavily in the online ministry side of ministry since 2009 and also um, I was part of the founding of a brand new brick-and-mortar ministry at the same time so I had the um, perspective from both sides of this and so I had a chance to really watch what was going on and so as I started to develop um, more of a i guess more of an online ministry and be more active in the online part than the um, physical part people started coming to me from both realms and this insight led me to being on the board of directors at a ministry and just kind of seeing the behind the scenes working of how a ministry is supposed to operate i've helped fill out 501c3 forms oftentimes I see people talking about the 501c3 as if it's some big evil thing, and it's really not. A lot of people that, you know, mention that they they haven't actually gone through and looked at the package themselves. They haven't gone through it and filled it out, read it, and all that stuff. I have been on a team that did that for months, and the only big deal that they make in there about what churches teach is um, when it comes to politics. You're not allowed to give favor to one political party over another if you're a 501 c3 so i couldn't invite let's say obama to speak and not also invite trump to speak at my church or at least offer him equal time as i offered obama if i wanted to stay in compliance i would either have to offer both or none but that's really as far as it goes as far as what can or cannot be taught from the pulpit so i've been involved in that and then that led me to writing for a local christian newspaper Which is where we're gonna pick up everything I'm about to talk about so I was sitting in church saw this local Christian newspaper read through it and I was like you know this kind of cool I didn't even know this existed so I went ahead and emailed the publisher the publisher read through some of my writing and the publisher hired me to work for the paper like through an email so fast forward as I'm writing for this paper a lot of my article ideas they wouldn't publish they would send me to do interviews and write about stuff they would not publish my article ideas because they said they were too controversial because i always have been a straight shooter when it comes to the word of god i figure if i'm going to believe the word of god i need to believe the word of god and go by what it says and not try to twist it or get it to fit some kind of socially acceptable church doctrine so one of the pieces that they turned out specifically was uh, Caffeine, the Christian drug, drug of Choice, in which I talk about caffeine being a mind-altering substance. The publisher didn't like that because she was a Christian that liked to drink caffeine, and she didn't want to put that out there because she figured it would be too controversial for the readers. Fine. So I published it on my site. I had already bought ministerfortson.com. And when I published it on my site, it got a lot of attention. And then I realized I should go look at the Christian newspaper website and see what they have on there I had never looked at it and so I went to look at it and I just I was bored by it like the content was so boring it it, to me like seeing it in the actual paper format made it more interesting see it on the website it was it was just boring it didn't push the envelope the site didn't jump out and I was like wow ministry is really missing an opportunity now the good thing was the the newspaper had a website while most ministries were just starting to dabble into the websites Um, more and more around 2009 but they were missing the online presence which led me to really really go hard with MinisterFortson.com and start publishing articles on there so when we think of when when i talk about an analog church i'm talking about the traditional church as i said the brick and mortar church i'm talking about buildings with pews a podium a preacher and ties and offerings and in a lot of black churches a building fund this is what i'm talking about with traditional churches and traditional churches that are entering into the digital age, and let me, say, let me um, say this in a way that doesn't come out wrong. Sometimes I'm not great with words on the fly. When you have an older pastor in a church that is a traditional church and they've done things for a certain way for a certain amount of time, they want to continue doing that. However, coming into the digital age, if churches are going to survive, they need to start investing heavily heavily in online ministry and if digital ministries that are not connected to a physical church building if they are going to have as big of an impact as local churches do in my opinion they need to partner with local churches local churches need to partner with the digital ministries and the digital ministries need to partner with the local churches because we have to work together to make ministry work And being on both sides of that I see that because there are people now that ask me if there are meetings here locally and I don't have any meetings here locally but I've been considering it uh, given that people keep asking and then the people in the local churches often ask me for my website information because they want studies outside of church they want to be able to read they want to be able to listen they want to be able to watch which is why I kind of jumped into podcasting again because people ask me to speak on certain things, and I hadn't been putting out any, any kind of audio or visual content in years. Everything has been written on the website. So for those of you who are looking to start a digital ministry, let me get back on track here. So for those of you who are looking to start a digital ministry, keep in mind, be open to the opportunity to partner with somebody who has a traditional ministry. And those of you who are in a traditional ministry – try to be open to partnering with somebody who has a digital ministry. Because sometimes I feel like those of us in online ministry aren't taken as seriously as somebody with a brick-and-mortar church. Like, you you know, you see the pastor, you see the, the, the church, and you see them on the podium, and they, you know, walk around up there, and they have that building. And so people take that as, hey, this is a legit ministry. It's physically. They can, you know, touch it, see it, you know, be there in that presence. And digital ministry is different because it's kind of intangible. You're looking at it through a screen. You're you're reading or listening or, you know, you're interacting with a device and not necessarily the person or the pastor or the deacon or the deaconess. There's nothing tangible there per se. So oftentimes I feel like the digital ministry isn't taken as serious, but it is a serious ministry. And this is where those traditional preachers really need to concentrate. Because those of us in the digital ministry are reaching way more people worldwide than the traditional ministry reaches. I was sharing with Teo yesterday. I went through my stats and without giving any specific numbers, I was looking at the countries that were reached by the um, BHITB website, and I had reached almost every country except for a couple of uninhabitable places and just a few countries in Africa and a, and a couple of European countries. But I had reached. A lot of countries and it's demonstrated on the map I'll put a I'll put a um, screenshot of the map in the uh, show notes for this on uh, black history the Bible but you can see the grayed out areas represent the areas that I didn't reach and there were few areas that I did not reach now in contrast to that local ministries or the traditional ministries aren't reaching those countries because they're local they're reaching a local population which is something that my website reaches a small minority of local people but my website does not hit locally and that's the downfall to the digital side of it while the downfall on the um, analog or the traditional side of it is that they don't reach a big global audience so this is why I say these two need to come together because when you have a traditional ministry that can reach local and they're partnered with a digital ministry that can reach out worldwide in my opinion that's the fulfillment of the Great Commission go you therefore and teach all nations so these two worlds I guess you say our ministries need to merge together and I believe that the the digital ministry belongs on every single outreach team of a traditional ministry If you're traditional, you have to get your website up. And if you have a website up, you have to have a team that is Learning about SEO. They don't have to have a degree or anything like that. You can learn SEO, just Google stuff and start reading and implementing and trying new strategies. You need to have an SEO team or at least one person dedicated to that. You need to have two or three people dedicated to sharing everything on social media. And I'm not talking about just your church's Facebook page. I'm talking about sharing it on their personal pages and other Facebook groups, getting the word out. But in order to share it, you need to create shareable content. People don't want to just see your church name and, hey, this is our church. We're located on such and such street come at these hours. You know, they'll they'll get that information once they get to your website, but there needs to be a focus on putting out stuff that people want to share. Uh, for example, if you go to the BHITB website, you'll see that several studies on there have hundreds of shares. Some have thousand, over 1,000 shares on them, and that's because I have taking a lot of time to write these studies and create these studies full of links and in some cases images and videos and I put that stuff in there so that people will want to spread the word because my fallback as a digital ministry I don't have an outreach team I don't have that that huge built-in support system a lot of um, traditional churches have but traditional churches have that but they don't put it to use so in my circumstance I'm a one-man show And in order to compensate for that, not having an outreach team, I have to make content that people want to share so that the readers turn into the outreach team because what I've written is to a standard that they feel is worth sharing. And so this is something that the traditional church needs to embrace and start doing themselves because that will in turn drive more people to your physical building. And the reason that's important is you know, in a physical building, you have bills, you need to put um, people in seats, you collect tithes and offering, and I'm not even going to get into tithes and offering. However, it's, it's something that goes on at traditional church, and a digital ministry, but to either attaching yourself to one or creating a department or a team within your physical ministry that will handle the digital side, would be advantageous to all parties. But it goes back to what I was saying about creating content that people want to share. So let me get back on track because I'm on track, but I I just went off into a little bit of a tangent. But when you look at the advantages of a digital ministry, for example, there are tons of advantages that will boost your local presence um, and your online presence at the same time let's talk about hollywood and blockbuster video hollywood video and blockbuster video now a few years back i don't know maybe 10 years ago when these two were like juggernauts in the the video rental game before them i remember video time video time was matter of fact that's a great place to start video time i'm not sure how big video time was when video time went out of business but i remember video time being the place we would go to get vhs videos when we wanted to rent a movie And for years, Video Time was the the only spot that I can recall, and then Blockbuster. Blockbuster, I believe, was more expensive, or, you know, we didn't – our family didn't really go to Blockbuster. We went to Video Time. So when Video Time went out of business because they refused to, to upgrade to DVDs, blockbuster and Holly blockbuster came in and had monopolized almost everything for a while you had other smaller places and then you had a Hollywood video come in like a juggernaut and I thought Hollywood video was gonna put blockbuster under it didn't happen because when Netflix came and the digital revolution started to happen Netflix had the foresight to understand that digital was the future and so they developed a digital platform and in order to disrupt the industry they started, the, um, they started sending DVDs through the mail with no late fees. That was the thing that made me switch from Blockbuster to Netflix. I went from Hollywood Video to Blockbuster to Netflix. It was the no late fees. And the fact that it came in the mail and I could get two to three DVDs at a time, walk to the mailbox, and send them back and get as many movies as I wanted with my monthly subscription. And I saw this change coming, and when Netflix started to stream movies over the internet, I understood that at that moment, it was only a matter of time before Blockbuster and Hollywood Video went out of business. And of course, Hollywood Video went under. Blockbuster sustained a little while longer because they they tried to go to the streaming format, but it was too late. Once they were done, Netflix cut out the… DVDs or cut back on the DVD rentals and so they pretty much just got rid of that and went almost full digital and I see the church going in the same direction they I see the digital age about to steamroll the churches and the churches or the, the traditional church and the traditional church is pulling a blockbuster move right now they're waiting too long to adapt which is why, in my opinion, they either need a team or they need to attach to somebody who's already embraced the digital age. Now, the advantage is you can, one, reach a lot more people, but you can start to add your content online. When you start to get into the, the digital ministry, when your content is available online 24-7, it's almost like, one of your members having access to you 24-7 because your teaching is online, they can go through, they can read it, they can revisit it, they can share it, they can talk about it, and they can, they can really go through and study it versus when you teach a Bible study in a physical location, if a person misses that Bible study, if you didn't record it, all they have to go on are either notes that somebody else has taken, and usually people aren't passing notes around, or they just miss it. I mean, that that's really the options They they can get notes or they just miss it if you have not recorded it. And then what you want to start doing is if you don't record your sermons, record those. But you can turn those into podcasts. Turn a sermon into a podcast, then you have the audio format covered. Take that audio, put it on YouTube, and then you start to reach a broader audience. Because as we come into the digital age, that's how content is being consumed now. People don't always want to deal with people. I know I personally don't. I don't necessarily want to go into church and sit for hours and stand up 15 times in, a, in an hour and then get up and walk in front of everybody to go to the collection plate. And then you got to stand for prayer. And then you got to come to the front for altar. It's just so much activity. I just want to hear the sermon personally. I mean, if, if that's what you love, that's what you love. I personally just want to hear the sermon and be left alone for the most part. However, that's not what it is, but there are a lot of people like me, which is why they come to digital or online ministries in order to listen to a podcast so they can just get the message or just hear a guest speaker or you know glean whatever information they want and then move on so this is something that the church needs to keep in mind as we move into the uh, digital age now YouTube is huge if you're a church and you're one of the traditional churches who has a pastor who's been around for a long time And one of their goals is to get on TV and I've heard this before a lot of pastors don't have you know the goal to get on national TV they just want to get on the local channel so they can reach more local people which I believe is is not a super ambitious goal it's not like unreachable however YouTube is a far better investment of your resources and time because you can get as many people or more watching on YouTube for less than what it'll cost you to produce a commercial Or produce a little 30-minute segment for TV to run on TV every week and to me it's a better use of God's resources so it's becoming necessary for churches to take advantage of these digital advancements in the age we are in not even coming into that we're in otherwise these churches they're going to continue to lose members which means they're going to continue to lose money which means they're going to shut down and that's not the goal we the goal is to reach locally and to reach globally. Number one, I believe it's most important to wake up our people and bring our people to the knowledge of who they are. And number two, it's important to reach people for Christ so that they believe and are saved. So getting the word out is faster, cheaper, and instant online, especially when you add social media, which brings you back to your social media team. And the reason you want your social media team to share stuff is because when their friends see it, if it's good enough, those friends will share it, and so on. And you get like kind of like a, a momentum going, and you start to reach more people. So how can the the digital ministry survive? I'm sorry, the the soul, how can the traditional ministry survive the digital age? Like I said, start a podcast. If you have never done podcast, it's simple. It's basically like doing talk radio. I said a long time ago, podcasting is the internet version of talk radio, and anybody can if you can get up there and do a sermon for thirty minutes an hour, or however long your your sermon is, you can do a podcast interact with your congregation more. This is important because when I was coming up, the pastor was you may you know talk to the pastor real quick after church or whatever, but the pastor was shielded nobody very few people i' ain't gonna say nobody very few people had the pastor's direct number um very few people knew how to get in direct contact without calling somebody else or waiting for uh, the pastor to call them back you know stuff like that it was there was a barrier between the congregation and the pastor and it it, it's kind of a put-off and one of the things I did love or I do love about my mom's ministry is my mom gives everybody her personal phone number I actually we actually several of us suggested that she stop doing that, but she literally gives everybody her personal phone number she don't care if you're a new member a guest if you know you over order and talk to her and you need her phone number she will give you her personal direct line i don't even know if she knows the ministry phone number off the top of her head because i've never had to call it i don't even know anybody that has the ministry phone number uh so interacting with your congregation more is becoming the the new norm because of social media and so i found that even though i'm not like a huge people person that people contact me they send me facebook messages they will leave comments on the website. They leave comments in Patreon now. Um, the, some people do have my personal phone number. and They will text me or call me. Um, so become more interactive with your congregation and become less shielded. It, it's necessary if you're going to survive this trans, transition from or really transition into a more digital world because everything is going to become more digital whether we like it or not. Start your church website. If you don't have a church website, start one. If you do have a church website, learn SEO. Learn what people want. Add video content. Add audio content. Add pictures and maps and Bible studies and all that other stuff to your church website. And again, this all should fall on a social media outreach team. If you have a regular outreach outreach team already, take volunteers to start a social media or a, a internet outreach team that will put together everything now let me give some quick advice to those of you who are looking to jump into digital ministry who have not started a digital ministry yet because this is something that people ask me about a lot so for you those of you who have not started yet are thinking about starting or if you're in the beginning stages let's say if you're in the beginning stages and you have your website your domain and you're trying to get traffic let me give you several things to not do number one well actually let me start first get your hosting from GoDaddy Godaddy GoDaddy.com I don't care what anybody says go to GoDaddy I'm an affiliate of Bluehost Bluehost pays me to promote them I don't promote them I promote GoDaddy GoDaddy does not pay me to promote them use GoDaddy they have one quick install everything is super simple Um, use WordPress as your content management system because there's tons of plugins and support for those plugins It will make your life easier, and you'll write less code. You don't have to hire a specialist. You can point-click install themes. Now, this is coming from somebody who's been writing code since 1997, when I first really dived into HTML. I use WordPress. It is simple. I don't use anything else. I don't even bother with it. That's the first thing. Once you get that up, Start learning how to add pictures and video, and and really learn about SEO and marketing and how to get your articles out there to reach people. Because there's no point in doing it if you're not reaching people. You don't want to just put this stuff online. So, now to the things you should not do. If you're just starting in ministry, don't email people to buy your stuff, your books, your audio sermons, any of that stuff. But don't don't spam people. To buy your stuff. That's immediately going to put them off, especially if they don't know who you are. Start to show some consistency. Put out the content regularly. Share it regularly in different groups, and then your ministry will start to build. Uh, I run into a lot of people who start these online ministries, and they send me messages like, hey, buy my book or hey, come over here and buy this or buy a membership. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. I have no idea what your doctrine is. You don't have a statement of faith, which is important. Put a statement of faith up if you don't have one already um, associated with your digital ministry. Start to podcast. Start to get on YouTube. You can put those podcasts on YouTube like I do. Now, the hard part about this is it takes time to see results because when you first start, Google has what they call – people call it the sandbox, the penalty pen. They call all kind of stuff. But basically it's about a 90-day period in which google will not give you any ranking on any of the first pages which means you will not get hardly any traffic from google if any for the first 90 days which means you have to grind and go out and get the word out yourself you or your team and if you can pass this first 90 days you'll start to see a little bit of traffic coming in depending on you know what topics you covered how well what your ranking is the hardest part is that first year though the first year in digital ministry is a struggle because you have to keep going you won't see a ton of results because nobody knows who you are so that is the key thing in online ministry get started do not spam people and well, put out content that people want to share so that it it Decreases the amount of effort that you have to put into uh, Reaching more people you can reach more people with less effort. I guess that's the perfect way to say it and Just keep going like I said be open to partnerships That's one thing that we in our community have to be more open to is working together Um, I see a lot of benefits in local or traditional or analog ministry. And I see a lot of benefits in digital ministry. However, when you combine the two, the two come together. And I know this is kind of, you know, offbeat from the show, but I did want to cover this because people had these questions, and I just wanted to answer them real quick because I, I get bogged down answering one question at a time for individuals. So hopefully putting this out will kind of give people a little more insight and in the directions they need to go, just give them a few options that they want to look at, And if you have any questions, you can hit me up on um, the Black History in the Bible website. That's blackhistoryinthebible.com. You can send me a message on Facebook. We do have the new Twitter page up, the new BHITB podcast um, page on Twitter. If you go to um, the BHITB website, you'll see that on there. So that's really it for this week. Hopefully that helps a lot of you out there that had questions. If you have questions, any more questions, go to the BHITB podcast page on the on BlackHistoryInTheBible.com. Send me a message. Um, if you're a patron, send me a message in Patreon. I'll try to do another show. Coming up real soon, I'll try to do another show where I answer questions. Not necessarily on this, but any questions you guys have, throw them out there. I will definitely answer them on a the podcast make sure you go to patreon if you're not a patron already for a dollar um, you get a welcome package there's a book in there there's some Bible printable Bible study sheets um, you also get access to a new coming soon section that I put on the BHITB website uh, you can see studies as I'm creating them in real time that is accessible only by patrons. the uh, study is done it'll be published for everybody else to view but I've already gotten some activity on the the new article that's coming, Can White People Be Saved? Um, there's some discussion going on there, and it will only help make that study stronger. So until next time, make sure you go to the BHITB website, blackhistianthebible.com, get your free book, subscribe, and until next time, I'm out.